This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. The great toilet paper shortage of 2020 is something that I've been completely fascinated by. It's got just the right balance of ridiculousness and humanity to balance out the horror that we're seeing everywhere else. To me, it's sort of taken on this feeling of like a treasure hunt. Whenever I start running low on toilet paper and then I come across a roll in my local bodega, it's like a small moment to celebrate. But At the same time, that small moment of celebration is followed by this question of why? Why am I celebrating? Why is toilet paper still not around? We did an episode about this a few weeks ago with our colleague Sharon Turlip, who covers consumer products. It seemed like by now, surely stores and factories have had enough time to figure this out. So I called Sharon back to ask, what's the deal? Hey, Sharon. Hey, Ryan. I wanted to call you back because a couple of weeks ago, you and I had a conversation and I asked you about toilet paper. And do you remember what you told me? I think I said there was enough toilet paper. (laughs) Yeah, I think you said there actually isn't a shortage that the country has plenty of toilet paper. It's just taking a long time for that supply to make it to store shelves. Yes, that sounds like something I said. But it's still missing. Well... Apparently, I'm not the only person who's noticed and is asking Sharon about it. She's gotten many calls and emails from people. And when that happens, sometimes she does some digging. I'll call around to stores in that community. And what I've found so far is usually if you call around to three or four stores, you get someone on the line and they'll say, yeah, our shipments come at this time. So I would maintain that what I said then is true. But the fact that in the bigger picture, there is toilet paper in existence, that it's in warehouses, that it's working its way to stores, wasn't that much of a consolation if you're going to your store day after day and actually can't find toilet paper. So I think that's a fair point. And so Sharon has been doing some more investigating. Today on the show, we go deeper into the toilet paper industry, all the way to the factories to figure out why toilet paper is still so hard to find and what the industry is doing about it. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Friday, April 17th. The pandemic that we're all living in right now may not have changed how much toilet paper we use, but it's definitely changed where we use it. There are two different markets for toilet paper. There's the consumer market, which has the nice and soft two-ply toilet paper that most of us have in our homes. And then there's the commercial market, the thin, scratchy stuff you find in public restrooms and big office buildings. And right now, Everyone's buying up all the toilet paper in the consumer market. But the companies that make toilet paper for the commercial market can't easily shift to cover the gap. The reason is that they have an entirely different supply chain. 
Different relationships with retailers, even the factories that make commercial toilet paper aren't set up to make the nice, soft, two-ply stuff that consumers prefer. So while the country does have plenty of toilet paper, there actually is kind of a shortage right now. It just happens to be in one half of the market. Procter & Gamble is the biggest maker of consumer market toilet paper in the United States. It's the company that makes Charmin. You know their commercials with those cartoon bears. My honey's clean. Oh yeah, I'm Charmin clean. That's how I know they're clean. Charmin actually has the perfectly sized roll for the middle of a lockdown. It's called the forever roll. Just one roll weighs two pounds, costs $9, has 1,700 sheets, and will supposedly last two people an entire month. But as you might have guessed, these rolls are impossible to find these days. Charmin's own website says it's out of stock, and while the company is trying to make more of everything, they're asking everyone to be patient. They've even got this message on their customer service line. Please know we are producing and shipping Charmin in North America at record levels and working diligently to get product to our retailers as fast as humanly possible. It turns out it's not that easy to ramp up toilet paper production because, as Sharon found out, the machines that make the stuff are really intense. The main machine required to make toilet paper is four stories tall. It's a multi-billion dollar piece of equipment. Wait, the machine to make a roll of toilet paper is four stories tall? It is, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's not something they're going to build in response to a pandemic. These expensive four-story tall machines have a very specific function, and they can't easily be repurposed. Part of what this machine does is process raw pulp, filter the pulp, and then turn that pulp into a paper. That paper gets spun onto a giant spool that can hold close to 50 miles of paper, which then gets combined with another giant spool to make two-ply toilet paper. These giant rolls of paper then need to be wrapped around giant tubes of cardboard. And it's not until the very end of the process, basically a circular saw comes through and slices up these rolls into individual rolls that go in your house. That's incredible. I mean, toilet paper seems like one of the most simple products that we buy. But you're saying that it's actually one of the more complicated products to make. Absolutely. Procter & Gamble knew it needed to make more toilet paper to keep up with demand, but it didn't want to spend the money on one of those machines, especially if this level of demand for toilet paper only lasts a couple more months. So instead, the company looked at the six toilet paper factories it has in the U.S. to see where it could increase capacity. It made tweaks where it could at some of those factories, but the company realized that there was one place where it could really expand production— It was at its biggest factory in Albany, Georgia. I was actually talking to one of my contacts at P&G, and I was saying that I wanted to get some interviews with some people who were in their toilet paper business, get a sense of what was going on. And he said, you know, we'll try to get you someone, but you have to understand, like, our main operation is in this town that's really hard hit. And then I started to look up the town. And I think by that point, you were starting to see stories kind of just out about the trials of Albany, Georgia. The trials of Albany, Georgia, and what it means for America's toilet paper supply after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, 
your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. Welcome back. Albany, Georgia is home to Procter & Gamble's largest toilet paper making factory. And it's also home to a deadly outbreak of coronavirus, which was traced back to a single gathering. There was a funeral uh, at the end of February where after the funeral, one of the mourners died of coronavirus and they realized that many people had become infected. Albany, Georgia is facing one of the most acute and deadly coronavirus outbreaks in the whole country. Nearly three hours south of Atlanta, this small county has seen more coronavirus deaths than anywhere in the state, even areas with more than 10 times the population. There is a coronavirus patient in nearly every bed in the ICU. That town, as of last week, it had a higher death rate per capita than New York City or Detroit. As the town raced to deal with the coronavirus outbreak, Procter & Gamble was racing to get the factory there ready to put out more toilet paper. Because the Albany plant had something important, something that other plants did not. There was an idle piece of equipment that, when put to use, could increase production. So they scrambled to get this piece of equipment up and running. But it turns out there were a couple hurdles that they had to solve before they could get that equipment up and running. First, you have to have people that are trained to use it. There are only so many people trained to use that equipment in the factory. And because it was an older piece of equipment, they had to bring it up to date so it was making the current product. They had a team of about 10 technicians. It would have normally taken them a couple months to get it running, get people trained. They ended up pulling technicians, engineers from two other factories. And they came, and within a couple of weeks, they were able to get that machinery going and running and have people that were ready to operate it. And of course, as those engineers and technicians who came to Albany from other factories were getting that machinery up and running, flights were being canceled as the coronavirus spread around the country. By the time they were done, they couldn't get back home on airlines. So they were going to drive back, and P&G was going to set that up for them to drive back. And the CEO, David Taylor, he got word of it, and he sent the P&G private jet from Cincinnati down to Albany to pick up the workers that were there and take them home. So they might have had a problem getting home, but they actually got quite a nice ride home. Wow. They got sort of the royal treatment. Yes, yeah. With the equipment now churning out toilet paper, P&G hired more workers to meet the increased production goals. And they've also implemented a lot of safety procedures at all of their factories to try and keep workers safe. These workers have become part of the new essential workforce. 
we always knew that we were a very popular product. We never imagined that we would have this demand. This is John Patterson. He's been working at the Albany plant for the last 16 years. But in those years, he's never had a morning routine at the factory quite like the one he has now. The day starts when you jump out of your car. We're putting our mask on as you come out. We never wore masks in the plant before. And then just as you're coming down, your glasses are fogging up as you get your mask and you're getting acclimated out of the car, going up to the gate. With his glasses foggy because of his mask, John then goes into the factory and faces a quick health check. We come in, we do our temperature scan. While we're doing our temperature scan, we also have to make a declaration of we have not had any symptoms and we have not been exposed to anybody that has COVID since we've been in the plant last. We come out of the temperature scan and we have hand sanitizer stations. Our hands are cracked from having so much hand sanitizer that we're using throughout the day. We come out of the thermal scans and we go down the aisleway to our team meetings. Once held in a group, team meetings are now done over headsets and video calls. Workers are assigned to one crew and aren't allowed to work overtime so that there's less exposure. If a worker tests positive or becomes sick, every single person on their crew has to go into quarantine. So you don't move people between crews. So there's a crew you work with and you always have that shift and you always have those same people. That way, you know, if someone becomes sick, only those people are exposed. There's not a bigger group exposed. And while teammates might be less exposed, they're also more isolated. You feel like you're on an island a lot of times and you don't have those interactions. We're really working to eliminate close contacts, which is very different. It makes you feel like you worked on a team to now we're working individually. John says the factory floor is a lot more quiet than usual, but they're doing what they can. He also had a message for me to pass along. Just let folks know that Charmin's on the way, that we're working day in and day out. It will be there. But even with the changes to make more Charmin, the factory has only increased its production by 20%. Sharon, do you think that's going to be enough to meet America's demand right now? That's a point that I think many people are debating. Analysts say that they think maybe people are using as much as 40% more toilet paper at home. I've seen others say the use isn't going to go up that much and there's still supply. It's just tighter than people are used to. So I think that's a question mark. There's concern on the other side of this of a glut and making too much. And so there's a balance. Really? Why would making too much toilet paper be a concern? Well, I mean, it's a concern for analysts and investors, the fears that they'll then have a ton of toilet paper stacked up. And because people are buying more than they need, once this passes, nobody's going to want to buy toilet paper for a long time. Fear of a potential glut and oversupply of toilet paper is part of what has made supply chains so tight to begin with. There's this concept known as just-in-time delivery that's a big reason why we're seeing shortages across the country right now, not just for toilet paper, but for other stuff too, like Clorox wipes or laptops. The idea of just-in-time delivery is that manufacturers want to make exactly the right amount of inventory so that it arrives on shelves just in time so that they don't have to spend a bunch of money storing it. That's a huge issue in itself, you know, what we call just-in-time delivery and the intense pressure put on manufacturers, the whole industry, to just not have any supply. 
I mean, it seems like if anything is going to change that, this will, because that's something where, you know, it's, it's not as if there weren't people out there saying, hey, like this could go really bad. Like, it's great that you're saving money, but this could go bad. I mean, this was a foreseeable problem with just in time delivery. So I think, you know, will it change? I don't know if it'll change it. I think if anything will change that mindset, this would be it. I think if this is something that goes for many months, I would imagine we will start to see some of these commercial toilet paper makers shift toward household use. And panic buying is still a part of this. So, you know, there's a psychology behind it. We've seen retail executives basically like plead with their shoppers to stop stocking up. I mean, how do you stop a cycle of panic buying? Because the panic buyers sort of create more panic buyers because once you start to see that it's not on the shelves, then you start to worry yourself and you try to stock up whenever you do come across it. Psychologists who study human behavior say it's one of the hardest things to stop. Like, for example, if you put a limit, so if you say you can only buy two, which logically should stop hoarding, that might do two things. Anybody who was going to buy one now feels like they have to buy two. And people who feel panicked will just strategize ways to get more anyway. So, you know, I think there's not a great outside way to stop the panic buying. I think, you know, you can see people kind of pleading for people to altruistically sacrifice and to not get as much as they want to get. That's all for today, Friday, April 17th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Kate Leinbaugh and me, Ryan Knudsen. The show's made by Gerard Cole, Meg Driscoll, Pia Godkari, Renita Jablonski, Jorge Just, Annie Minoff, Ricky Nevetsky, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Annie Rostrasser, and Rob Zipko. Our show is engineered by Griffin Tanner with help from Sam Baer. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Peter Leonard, Emma Munger, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Joy Crane. Thanks for listening. See you on Monday.